0: All right, well, good morning, everybody. How you doing? You all right? Good. Well, it is great to be here with you. My name is Eric Wakeling, pastor here at Calvary Church. And uh, we are continuing in our series in the book of Jonah. All right, so Jonah, our good buddy Jonah, he has been struggling, okay? Jonah has been given a calling by God to go preach, uh, proclaim, really, judgment to the Ninevites, he doesn't like that calling by God. He doesn't like those instructions. So he runs. He runs from God. He gets on a ship, and he is sailing away, and he is not going to do what God wants him to do. And then a storm comes. God sends this storm, and the only thing Jonah realizes, the only thing that's going to save all these sailors and stop this storm is that they throw him overboard. So they do. Storm stops. Sailors all come to believe in Yahweh God, and Jonah is sinking down, down, down into the deep, when then suddenly a big old fish swallows him, and he spends three days and three nights in that fish, and then he realizes, it says, then he cries out to God. He cries out to God finally in this incredible prayer, and then the fish vomits him onto dry land. That's where we start now, okay? So he has just like slammed—kind of picture that in your mind, right? This guy just gets vomited out of a fish, slams on dry land, is kind of like, you know, like flinging off the goo, and as he flings all of that off of him, he steps up, and here, here we are. So Jonah 3, 1 through 4. Jonah 3, 1 through 4, and we've titled this, Obedience Isn't Optional, Okay? As you can see, he's going for disobedience. It's not working so well for him. Jonah 3, 1 through 4 says this. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. So Jonah arose. That's kind of the key, right? So Jonah arose. He does it. And went to Nineveh according to the word of the lord now nineveh was an exceedingly great city a three days walk then jonah began to go through uh, the city one day's walk and he cried out and said yet 40 days and nineveh will be overthrown that's where we're stopping okay cliffhanger we're not telling you what happens don't keep reading we'll just wait uh I'm sure you've never heard this story before. But uh, we we see what is going on here is we've got Jonah finally stepping into obedience. Now, one thing with this I was thinking about is that Nineveh, we think, is about a three- to five-day walk from wherever he got spat out by the fish. Okay? He hits this beach, and he's got to walk about three- to five days to finally get to Nineveh. And I was sort of wondering, like, what's this walk with God like? Okay, he's kind of talking with God, he's by himself, he's just walking through this land, and he's kind of just like, I know, I know, I'm sorry, like, I thought I could run, I, I don't know what I was thinking either, you know, like that kind of thing, where it's like, that's the prayer that I wish that we could have had written down, right? That's the prayer that I wish I could read, is what is Jonah's conversation like with God, that there's this... uh friend, sort of mentor of of mine, and some of us named Rob Lone, and whenever we'd say that we were doing something that was probably kind of stupid, he'd always just go, how's that working out for you? You know? And I feel like that's kind of, (laughs) maybe God's like, so how'd that run and work out for you? You know? Yeah, you were sinking to the depths, and I saved you in that nasty fish belly. But here we are. Let's move on, okay? Because what we see that's so cool is we, what we see in, in the heart of God, too, is a heart of, of love and of discipline, but love in that discipline. I was just reading, just kind of in my um, just normal Bible reading this week, and came across Hebrews 12. And in Hebrews 12, verse 4, this kind of just gives me a sense, you can just listen to this if you'd like, just a sense of this, this heart of God when it comes to this kind of a moment where Jonah's gone through discipline. I mean, Jonah's had this storm. Jonah's spent these days in this belly. And now he's, he's turning it around. And, and he's got to kind of like make some sort of like understanding with God. But Jonah, we're going to see his attitude is still really bad. But Hebrews 12, 4, it says, You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. Sin. Sin and its effects on our lives. You have, not, you have not resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you've forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you're reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. It goes on and on to verse 11. You could read more of that. But the discipline of the Lord comes to those he loves. And I believe that God loves Jonah, even though Jonah is a whiny brat that doesn't want to do what God wants him to do, really, as we continue to read through this. And God loves him. God loves him that much that he will discipline him and that Jonah, hopefully, is coming to this point of understanding that, and, and hopefully we are, that following God's radical calling for our lives, when God calls us to things, that should be done simply as a response to his grace in our lives. Okay, We respond in obedience, and it's not optional, but we respond out of the love and grace that we received from him. But from Jonah, we kind of get what—we'll learn more of this as we go. But what we get here is we call just—I'm calling uneager agreement, okay? He's agreeing, but we'll find out later that he's not really into it. So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, all right? I love that. Just kind of like, here it is again. Arise. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. Now, what we see that's kind of interesting is if you look, if you have your Bibles open to Jonah, and or you can kind of just flip a little bit in your, your device or whatever, if you see Jonah 1, 1 through 2, it's basically just the same thing. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me." Now, it's, it's like a little bit, we're here in this one. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I think it's kind of funny. It's almost like God's like, listen, just, I'm not going to tell you what to say this time. Just say what I tell you when I tell you to say it, all right? And, and so he tells him, all right, go again. What I like that you don't see here, you don't see. And God said, Jonah, you big idiot. What are you doing? You disobeyed me the first time. I'm sick of your attitude. Get going, you know? No, no, you don't see this kind of chastisement chastisement or condemnation in him. He's just like, all right, here we go. Let's do this this time. Let's do it right. All right, you've got a second chance here. And I think that this is this great picture of being willing to do something that God calls you to, even if you disagree, Jonah still disagrees with God. We'll find out as we go, he does not like that these Ninevites actually receive the grace of God. He does not like it. (laughs) But he does it. Okay? He doesn't like it, but he does it. There's some other folks that we see in in Acts 11 and Acts 15, the book of the Bible that comes right after Jesus' is died, resurrected, ascended into heaven, and it's this early church, and they're kind of doing all the the stuff that God has called them to do. And God has a radical call for them, and for them as these Jewish people who come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he really did rise again from the dead, they believe this and that salvation is through him, they then are going around and telling people, and people are getting saved. But then Peter gets this call from God that's almost for him, kind of like what Jonah's was. And it was, hey, go to the Gentiles and tell them about me. Now Gentiles is just, for these Jewish folks, Gentiles are just, all those who aren't Jewish, the nations, people of the world, okay? Go to them and tell them about me. And it's, it's troubling and it's confusing. There ends up being this whole like meeting about it, like this council of leaders that have to discuss this issue. Like can the Gentiles actually be welcomed into this family of God? And so they deliberate and they pray and they come to this point that yes, yes they can and yes then we will go out and do this mission that god has called us to now guess what where, where this included that they would go this included they would go to a p- little place called rome okay rome is the roman empire the city of rome this capital they end up going the gospel goes to rome as paul is there and he's in prison and he's preaching the gospel to people and, in rome and you've got You've got Rome, when you think about what Rome is to them, Rome is Nineveh, okay? Rome is their Nineveh. It is the, the capital of the empire. Nineveh was the capital of the empire that ruled the world at the time and is doing horrible things and occupying their nation, ruling over them, killing them. It's bad, it's a bad place. But they go and they obey. You're going kind to of see this in this new time that they go and preach to Nineveh. And then we see because of that, because of even the way as the Roman Empire is spread throughout the world, the gospel spreads throughout the world. Jonah still disagrees with God, but he obeys God. Let that sink into your life for a second, okay? Jonah disagrees with God, but he obeys God. What do you disagree with about the word of God or God, but he's calling you? Okay, there we go. All right. That was not my voice issues. That was real. Okay. Um, I was getting a little scared. (laughs) But it kind of killed that moment there, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) um, but But that's the thing for us to recognize is what do we need to hear for us in this when it comes to obeying God? Now, check this out. Your willingness to obey God has a lot to do with what gospel you believe. Now, here's what I mean by what gospel you believe. Your willingness to obey God, if you believe that salvation from God is a free gift. It's an absolutely free gift that you can do nothing to earn. If you believe that, then your obedience, then, is lived out to God out of love out of respect, out of gratitude, out of honoring him. That is like where your obedience is coming from. If you think that your, the gospel that you believe is a gospel that says, I've given you, God, my life in payment for this salvation that I am receiving, if you believe that, then maybe you think you've already given God enough. And you don't need to give God any more because I've given you my life. Isn't that enough for you, God? What more? Why are you asking me for so much? You know, you think you've paid it. You've paid nothing. There is nothing that you can pay for your salvation. Our obedience doesn't earn us anything. Our obedience is simply an act of worship, an act of love, an act of gratitude. Because God is calling us to obedience— That is absolutely unreasonable. Okay? This might sound odd to you, but God is calling us to unreasonable obedience when it comes to the way we think. When we think of Jonah, this was unreasonable. It says, Jonah arose, went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord, and then he had to walk into the center of this city and make this proclamation that he had to give. Jonah's command from God is this, okay? Go to your worst enemies and then proclaim judgment upon them that will end up leading to mercy. Like, this is almost unreasonable of God to expect. Like, you are just supposed to walk into your worst enemy city and then just walk in the middle of it and just be like, you're all going to die. I mean, he is. The end is near. Like, this is what he's doing. He is going into the middle of this town and shouting this out. That is God's call for Jonah to do. And it's almost the same when you think of Jesus and his call on his disciples. He walks up to his disciples and he says, hey, I know you're at work right now, but just stop working, come follow me now, okay? That's like what he says. They're fishing, they're doing their thing. He says, drop your nets, follow me, and they do. They just drop their nets, and they go right away. I mean, that's crazy at some level. You're at your job, you're at work, you're sitting in front of your computer, you know, and he's like... Shut it down. Follow me. Let's go. And you're like, okay, but just hold on. I got to say goodbye to some people. I got to, like, you know, turn some paperwork, get a couple emails out, go say goodbye to my parents and say goodbye to my families. No, 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 no. No saying goodbye. None of that. Just go. That's unreasonable. I mean, that's crazy at some level, right? But that's the kind of obedience that we've been called to. And so I ask again, what is our version of obedience, even when we don't like it, that God has asked us? To do. We live in a culture where personal pleasure you want, and it has nothing to do with according to the word of the Lord. I guarantee that some of you don't like that. And don't agree with it. And God has called you to obey even when you disagree. You with me? This is where the rubber meets the road. Also, some of us think, you know what? As long as I give a little bit, I can be as greedy of a person and self-centered of a person as I want to be. Helping people, eh, Helping people that are foreign to me or different than me, uh, that's uncomfortable. I don't really like that. Guess what? That's the same thing. God has called you to love and serve and obey him even when you disagree. Are you still with me? Okay? We got to be in on this, okay? Because all of us have different sorts of ways that we get, like, I don't know, messed up with this. We have all sorts of ways that we think that, like, well, I'll do this stuff, God, but I don't want to do that, or oh, I'll do this, but God, you're wrong or kind of outdated with some of this other stuff, right? Like, that's kind of the way that we think, but God is saying, no, 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 obedience isn't optional, and it's probably going to look unreasonable. I love this, um, if, if any of you know Keith Green, the singer, like, from the 70s, okay, maybe early 80s, kind of like a prophetic folk singer or something, I guess you would call him, kind of intense dude, Keith Green. If you don't know him, I mean, I'm like too young for him, I think, basically, but I still know it, and I love it, but um, Keith Green is awesome, okay? Now, he has this, he's like, kind of punches you in the face, though, with his songs. He has this song called, like, where it says, to obey is better than sacrifice, and he kind of takes on the voice of Jesus singing this to you. It says, I don't need your money. I want your life. And I hear you say that I'm coming back soon, but you act like I'll never return. Does your life show that you believe that Jesus is coming soon? Is it that kind of unreasonable obedience that we live out? Because Jonah did all of this, it says, according to the word of the Lord. And so what we have to recognize and remember is that the word of the Lord is telling us how to obey, how to live for God, What is the word of God called you to do, how are you living that out, and how you display the love of Jesus, and how you share with all of those who are in need, how you give, how you pray, how you put, put Jesus first above all else and all other allegiances. Jesus is number one, how we worship God, and then how we tell others about him. We share this love of Jesus with the world. Because that's really what Jonah was ultimately called to do, was to share the message of God with people that he was uncomfortable doing it. And so a lot of folks have called Jonah the reluctant evangelist. And so for us, it's here, it's this, reluctant evangelism. All right, it's this, check it out. Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. That's basically getting into the middle of this city. And then he just says this, this is it, these are the words. Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. The ends. <laughs> All right? That's it. It's crazy. Um, now, this is like part of why I struggled actually a little bit with this passage. For me, it's like, I'm like, is, is this saying we should be like the bullhorn picket guy, like at the street corner at the Lakers game? I don't know. Like, it's just, the end is near, right? Like, I'm not, <laughs> I don't, I think we got to take the whole breadth of scripture, but there's a little bit of this in Jonah. I think Jonah is that guy, but everybody actually listened to him. And for us, like, sharing our faith is hard. I get this. And many of us are reluctant in our evangelism if not absent or completely indifferent to it but even then it's sort of reluctant evangelism it's scary right it's like there's a part of it that's like asking the girl in junior high to the dance and it's like you know uh, am i gonna get rejected it's that sort of a moment when you think about evangelism and, and sharing our faith with people but we're in a world that looks down on talking about religion in a world that is consistently or, or even more uh, over time becoming antagonistic uh, to Christianity. And then, so, like, our message is that we are sinners in need of a Savior. This Jesus has come to save you, and then drop everything and follow him. Like, that's, you know, that, that's this message can be sort of unpopular. It can be really difficult to share. But what's crazy is I think that we are reluctant evangelists, for different reasons than Jonah was. Jonah was reluctant because he knew they'd be saved. We are reluctant because we think they can't be saved. Jonah was reluctant because he knew they would be saved. We are reluctant Because we think they can't be saved. We have little faith. I have little faith. It's scary. It's hard. We gotta let that sink in of like what it is that God has called us to do. God has called us to share this message that's not just condemnation that it's salvation, that it's grace, that it's love, that it's peace, that it's an eternity forever in the presence of God. I mean, it's an incredible message of hope, but it starts with sin and us as sinners in need of a Savior. It starts there. It starts as this Jonah part. And Jonah shared his proclamation from God with people he despised. He hated them. It's like us going into the middle of, like, some ISIS camp or something and, like, sharing just Jesus with them, right? I mean, it's, it's really unreasonable. It's pretty intense when you think about this. Like, that is what he did. And so it could be that kind of an enemy, but it could be just the sense of someone that's very other or different from you. It could be that person that's the, you know, you're very conservative. It's that very liberal person, Or it could be the other way around. You're very liberal and it's that very conservative person. And we all sort of hate each other and despise each other. And then God says, come and share this message of grace and love and sin and mercy over that sin. Here's the thing. Jonah understood that God's mercy was for anyone better than everyone did. Okay? He got this. At this point, I think he gets it that God's mercy—actually, not at this point, the whole time he got this, okay? He got that God's mercy was for anyone, and that's why he didn't want to (laughs) go. He didn't want to go because he didn't want them to have the mercy that he knew that God would give them. He gets it that God's mercy is for anyone, that person that you most despise, that person that gets most on your nerves in this world, that person that you hate and that hates you, that is who God is maybe sending you to share his love with. That's an unreasonable obedience that he's calling all of us to. Um, now, the whole message of Jonah— I think really helps us with this whole thing of you know we talk about evangelism we say don't worry about what you're going to say you just do you have to be obedient to god and then let the holy spirit do the work right like you just to share let the holy spirit do the work this is the example of that okay this is like the most perfect example of that he walks up and just says yet 40 days and nineveh will be overthrown that's it that's all he says he walks up says that that's all we have record of And then, boom, we're going to see like an amazing thing happen in these next couple weeks. That's all he says. It's the perfect example of you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have your message dialed. You don't have to have taken a million classes to be able to do this. Now, we want to help prepare you, (coughs) but you don't have to have all of that together. You just have to be obedient to proclaim what God has told you to say. That's what Jonah was doing. He just said, all right, I'll go. God, tell him what to say. He says it. God moves. God works. Now, I want to read just a passage. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. And I think it, if you want to read along, you can. You can just listen. As much as there's all this kind of sort of like crazy bullhorn guy, like aspect to Jonah, I want us to like <clears throat> have like a, a, a spirit of how that we are then to obey this with this example of Jesus and this love and grace that he has to offer. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5. This is the spirit that I want us to have, okay? I might read it a couple times. Paul talking to the people of Corinth that he had come and shared the gospel with. He says, when I came to you, brethren... I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Apostle Paul, you guys. Paul. He seems like the most intense know-it-all, like guy that like has it all together that I've ever met, right? And he comes and says he was trembling and in fear to share the gospel on the Paul's missionary journey, right? <clears throat> and he says that he says my message verse 4 and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. And that's why we say, it doesn't matter what you say. It just matters that you obey. Because God's Spirit will come in and do the work, and then God will get the credit. him, to take his message, that yes, 40 days in Nineveh will be overthrown. Yes, we are sinners in need of a Savior on a road to hell. Without Jesus, it's worthless. You have nothing, we take this beautiful message of Christ and Christ crucified and resurrected and coming again, and that's what our hope is in. And we go with that message, and then we pray for the power and the work of the Spirit of God, and that's all that matters. We might be reluctant, we might be weak, we might be uneager and afraid, but God will work through us, He will work through you, He will work through me. And so I ask you then to be in prayer over this, to consider, and we say, each one, reach one. Who is God calling you to reach with the good news? We want you to be prayerful for this. We need to be praying. That's why we ask you to pray at 10.02 every day. We want to pray at 10.02 every day. Lord, don't just send other people as workers into the harvest, but God, send me. Send me and give me opportunities to be able to be obedient to what you've called me to do, whether I like it or not. And I'm praying that prayer for myself, My own fears, my own struggles in this, and I'm praying it for you. I pray that you would pray for me. Okay. So, we have a chance now. We're going to receive communion, and we're going to this communion. Part of what we do as we as we take communion, obviously, it's to remember these people aren't walking out on me. They're going to go help serve it. Okay. Um, But. Maybe a couple. (laughs) Um, But what we do is we are remembering what Jesus has done. He's called us to be thankful. And he's called us to remember. And we're kind of taking ourselves and like centering ourselves on the cross. Right? We're centering ourselves on Jesus Christ and him crucified. As it said in 1 Corinthians 2. And so we're saying this is what I'm about. So communion is going to be passed to you. Here in a moment. And so I'm going to pray. And as we just take the, receive the elements, hold on to them, I'll come back up and I'll lead us. But just be prayerful. You can be singing, but just kind of centering yourself on Jesus and Him crucified is that focal point of what we are about as followers of Him. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we say thank you. In this moment, as we take communion, as we eat of the bread and drink from the cup, Lord, I pray that you would put into our hearts that remembrance of you, Lord Jesus, and what you have done for us and make that so important to us that sin is disgusting and that your gospel is beautiful. I pray that that would just permeate our entire being this morning, that sin is disgusting and your gospel is beautiful, Lord, and that you have done the work for us upon that cross for salvation. So we're grateful and we remember in Jesus' name.